Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. everybody, welcome to Howard David Live as we get ready to take a bite of the Big Apple with Bob Glauber from New York Newsday. Uh, covers the Giants, uh, has been uh, around the Jets, around the National Football League for how long now, Bob? Let's see, this will be my 37th NFL season. Wow. 30th, 30th as a columnist at Newsday, so I'm old. Well, actually, you started when you were 15. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Around the New York area, uh, the Giants and the Jets have not enjoyed, well, particularly the Jets have not enjoyed very much success over the last 10 years. But the Giants, they're the last New York team to win a championship. And I believe that was, what, nine years ago? Yep, 2021, 2011 season, rather. So now it's 10. Well, so. Time flies, man. Let me ask you this Is this, in your mind, a make or break year for Daniel Jones? I would say yes. Um, like the Giants are an, an ultra patient organization, so you know if they finish, well, nobody finishes five hundred anymore with a seventeen game season. But if they say if they go nine and eight and you know show some improvement, but don't make the playoffs, I, I don't think it's a playoffs or bust type season for Daniel Jones. If he shows some some improvement and comfort, I think they keep him. But I think it's a huge year pressure wise for Daniel Jones. And then if he really doesn't respond to all that they've put around him uh, in terms of the upgraded free agent talent in the draft, Saquon Barkley coming back, you know, hopefully for his sake, healthy from an injury. Um, you know, if he doesn't really take that next step, then I think they will seriously think about looking around for another quarterback. Let me ask you about Saquon Barkley. He's given indications that, uh, you know, when asked about, you know, when he's going to come back, he doesn't seem to have an answer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to read too much into that, Howard, only because I think that rightly so he's concerned about, you know, he wants to be in this for the long haul. It's, it's a big year for him, not just because he's coming off an injury, but, you know, he's got contract stuff coming up. Giants have a fifth-year option. Um, this is the time when a running back has to make his money. Um, in the NFL, there are very, very few running backs that get to a third contract. So that second one, especially for a high rank, high round pick, is really important. So a lot is riding on this for Saquon Barkley. He wants to make sure that he is perfectly fit and comfortable mentally. I think mentally now is the big part that you talk to athletes all over the place. It's the mental part that they've got to get through and get over um, to be back. So I suspect that, you know, they'll take him move him along slowly in training camp. I can't imagine he's going to see a down of play in the, in the preseason. And if it, if it is, it'll just be a little bit. But I think he'll be ready for the start of the season. Uh, but, you know, you, you just can't say with, with certainty because you're not inside this guy's body. I asked Bill Parcells about the Saquon Barkley uh, to the point of where what's stopping him from becoming a great back? 
he said he's got to run inside a lot more. Uh, he's very productive running outside, but in order to be a complete back, he's got to take it inside. Do you agree? Well, I mean, yes and no. Um, I understand where Bill's coming from, and, you know, great running backs do run inside. And I, and I think Bill's problem with a lot of running backs, uh, and I've talked to him about this, um, especially Reggie Bush. You know, he always called him <clears throat> satellite. He's like a satellite. He's always got to be out in space. Yeah. All right, and I get that. Right? You know, Richie Bush was a smaller guy than Saquon Barkley. Um, I don't think Saquon Barkley avoids running in between the tackles. I think what he likes to do is hit home runs whenever he can. And it's hard to hit home runs when you're running, you know, between t- ten players on both both sides, um, running between the tackles. So a lot of his great runs did come from, say, a stretch play where he runs to the side, finds an opening, and boom, he goes through that hole, and he's off to the races. Um, but, you know, he's going to have to earn his yards, though, and and Bill is right to this degree that, you know, in, in the NFL, I don't care what era it is, if you're a running back, you've got to earn those tough yards. And I think Saquon Barkley would prefer to hit home runs on a more regular basis than run for those tough yards, but, you know, that's that's the way of the world. Now, he's playing for a coach. He wasn't drafted by this coach, but he's playing for a coach, Joe Judge, who wants his guys to, to, to run for the tough yards. I mean, Joe Judge is as tough-minded and tough physically, uh, you know, demanding as a coach as you're going to find in the NFL right now. So I suspect that Saquon Barkley is going to have to, he's going to have to, you know, punch it up in there quite a bit between the tackles. Bob, if you're going to do that successfully, it's about the offensive line. This is a very young offensive line the Giants have. It is. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I don't say that it cannot be good. It is a young line, but it's a developing line. And you know the Giants didn't do a whole lot uh, through the draft or free agency to solidify that line. And I think that was by design. They feel that these young guys um, can get better and will get better. Um, they did. You know, use the draft over the last two or three years to solidify the line, and I think that they'll they'll see some some fruits of that labor. Um, Marco Colombo, Mark Colombo, last year was fired as the offensive line coach. Um, they brought in Pat Flaherty, who's had success as a Super Bowl offensive line coach with the Giants in an advisory um, capacity. So they're they're trying everything they possibly can to get that line squared away. And Joe Judge himself you know, has some expertise in the offensive line. He knows what he wants. And I think he feels pretty comfortable about comfortable about what he's got with this young group. Let's talk about the wide receiver core, which I think you'd say is maybe a strength of this team. The addition of Galladay and free agency, they drafted Kendarius Toney to add to Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and tight end Evan Ingram. Would you consider this to be a strength of this team? Yes, I would consider this now to be a strength of the team, um, especially with Galladay and Tony coming in this year. I mean, those are two high-impact guys. Galladay, they had to pay for uh, Tony, you know, their first-round pick. Um, a lot of people think that he is going to be like a, a like a bigger, you know, bulkier version of Tyreek Hill, and I think t- people would take that in a heartbeat. Get a guy who can kind of dart through inside and, you know, turn those slant routes into, you know, a 50-yard gain or maybe even a touchdown. So that's what they have in him. And Ingram, man, you know, they they, they keep going back to Ingram. He's got a problem with drops. It cost him a game against Philadelphia that might have cost him the division last year. 
So Joe Judge is still confident in, in Evan Ingram as, as, a, as a good target. Um, and they also brought in Kyle Rudolph um, from the Vikings, who's right. a good, really good uh, red zone target for mm-hmm. Daniel Jones. And I think that might make a difference for him. He's got a tall target. He can just throw the ball up where only Rudolph can get it. And I think that's a security blanket for a guy like Daniel Jones, especially in an area that they had so many problems in last year. They were not a good red zone team. And I think Rudolph kind of, his addition addresses that in a, in a fairly significant way, but certainly um, Galladay and Tony, um, you know, in a more, let's, let's, let's get some chunk plays, and these guys are able to do that. Bob Glauber of New York Newsday uh, on the Giants. So what about the NFC East now? At any time, the Cowboys show a little glimmer of positives, and with the return of Dak Prescott, that is a big positive. Everybody right away says, well, the Cowboys are going to win the division. It's almost like they <laughs> hand the division to the Dallas yeah. Cowboys. And Look, Washington won it last year with a sub-500 record. No question about the strength of that team. Their defense was outstanding. But you still got to consider them the team to beat in the division, don't you? Well, yes. Um, and you're right about the, like, any time there's a hint of enthusiasm or excitement about the Cowboys, it's like it gets um, it amplified. You know why? Because it's the Cowboys. It's America's team. It's still America's team, despite the fact that they haven't won a Super Bowl since, you know, the Jimmy Johnson-Barry Switzer era. And that's, that's a long time right now. And Jerry Jones is... You know, he is, he laments what happened that with, with Jimmy Johnson. And, you know, he talked about it this week that he doesn't know why it went south. And I know why it went south, because he wanted to run the team. He wanted the credit. And he didn't think Jimmy was, you know, was all the be-all and end-all. But Jimmy was. Jimmy was the right. genius behind that, 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 that dynasty. He just was. So, look, I, I like the Cowboys. I don't love them. There are two developments maybe three that happened in the offseason that I think are important. One is Dak Prescott returning. There's, there's just no question. You get your quarterback back. Um, it was a huge loss. They, they really couldn't respond without him, and that's huge. Uh, number two is Dan Quinn. Now, Dan Quinn's not a player, but as defensive coordinator, he you know comes in and replaces Mike Nolan, who was just a mess last year. And I think we'll settle down that defense that has a lot of talent. There's just a lot of pass rushing talent on that defense. And I think Quinn is uniquely suited to kind of get that thing back in order. Um, coming off a disappointing you know, run as a head coach in Atlanta, got to the Super Bowl, didn't win it, and then just got away from him. So I think he'll be uniquely motivated. And the third thing is Ezekiel Elliott being in really top condition. That doesn't guarantee anything. But Elliot was it's just a little bit he was just a little bit sluggish last year. And part of it was just he wasn't he wasn't fit like he needed to be. But he is lean now and he is stronger. So I think it's a it's a big year for Ezekiel Elliott. And you talk about second contracts for a running back and you know, a lot of people thought they overpaid for him to keep him, but you know, he's gotta earn it now. And this is a big year for Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's motivated, and having Dak Prescott back will help him. Um, so those, to me, are the three key factors for the Cowboys. It comes to um, Jerry Jones, and let's face it, he's the most visible owner there is in the National Football League. And I've talked to him before games down on the field, and, you know, he, he's interesting to talk to, but you just want to – every once in a while when he says something, you want to go, come on, Jerry, 
<laughs> and I mean, I remember uh, Wade Phillips introduced me to him way back when, before game. And he's, he, uh, I said, I got to ask you, I said, we've just met, but does it bother you when you get criticized so publicly in the media? And he went off on this whole dissertation. Uh, he, he then walks away and he comes back a few minutes later and I'm standing there with my partner, Matt Mellon, before a Monday night game. And Matt said to Jerry Jones, did you say hello to Howard David? He goes, yeah. He says, he asked me a question before and I gave him a book. <laughs> I said, yeah, okay. Look, it eats at him that they haven't been to the Super Bowl since 1995. And I understand that. And look, Jerry, uh, Jimmy Johnson was a great coach and did great things. I'm not willing to give Barry Switzer a lot of credit because he won with Johnson's well, players. Yeah, yeah, he won. You know, Barry just was the caretaker for Jimmy Johnson's team. I mean, I, I mentioned his name because he did, you know, his, his name is on the Super Bowl, uh, is on the Lombardi Trophy from that last Super Bowl run. But it was Jimmy's team that he that he won with. There's, there's no question about it. Um, you know, Jerry can go back to his quote of Jimmy Johnson and he said 500 coaches could have won that Super Bowl. You know, it's not true. It's just not true. And I think he felt emboldened when Barry Switzer did win it with Jimmy's team, but then they haven't won it since. Now, Jerry, you, know, you talk about criticism. I, I really admire him for being able to take a punch. I mean, he takes a lot of punches, but he just keeps coming back, and he's resilient. He is a thick-skinned guy who knows what he wants. He's ambitious. He, he you know, he, he is the maverick owner and American businessman. He is the ultimate success story. Um, but with that, you know, there have been some missteps. And he just has not been able to find the right combination, GM-wise and coaching-wise, to kind of turn that back into a championship team. He'll still keep fighting. And, but his, his resiliency is impressive, and his ability to kind of convince people is remarkable. The guy can talk a dog off a meat wagon. That's all you need to know. And <laughs> he is incredible uh, as far as selling his opinion and selling, you know, what what he's got. I do remember a conversation with him because I, I had a gig at the Sporting News way back in the mid-90s. And the day he fired Jimmy um, happened, I believe, in shortly after an owner's meeting in Florida, they just had a fight and, you know, it just, it just went south. And I go, that's it. The dynasty is dead. And Jerry saw it and he saw me man, months later and he goes, you know, he talks to you about your names. Bob, I, I know you don't, I know you, you got some concerns. I know you don't believe, I know you don't believe me, but I, I, I really think we can get this thing get this thing going okay we, we, you know I, I know you like Jimmy so he's very aware of what people say uh, but he's also very um, intent on and confident about running things and, and and getting things good you know the guys in the Hall of Fame and there's a reason for it there's a reason for it because he turned the Cowboys back into this Goliath as a, as a business enterprise they did win championships um, but now, you know, they're the Goliath without the, the Super Bowls. Yeah. And that's his mission for the rest of his life is to try to get back to the Super Bowl and, you know, reclaim the title of America's team with with another Lombardi trophy. 
Bob Glauber, who now will be referred to as Rich Little after his impression of Jerry Jones. <laughs> hey, I do a really good Belichick. I'm much better at Belichick than Jerry. Jerry Jerry's tough because you know I don't have a good Southern twang. But Bob, Bob, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. <laughs> it reminded me of my my late partner uh, Dave Jennings before a game. I would say to him something about, "What are your impressions of this?" He goes, "I don't do impressions." <laughs> uh, it's uh, Jennings. Love, I love him. Uh, he He's was my friend. He was. Um, there isn't anybody who knew the rule book better than Dave Jennings, uh, to the point of where the league would call him before a season and say, hey, we're looking at this rule, this rule, this rule. What do you think? I wow. mean, that's wow. the kind of respect he had from the NFL. was one of the classiest players I've ever been around. You know, my first year, I know I'm going back forever, but it was 1985, and he was released that year after a great career with the Giants as a punter. You know, he played for Giants teams that were terrible, you know, when the punter is the star of your team, you know you're a bad football team. But Jennings was great, had a booming leg. And then Sean Landetta, who came over from the USFL, beat him out that first year. So Jennings gets cut, and it was a big deal. I'm in my first year on the beat, and I called him. I got his number. I called him at home, and he was couldn't have been more professional, nicer, and just a, just a pleasure to, to deal with. And he ended up punting for the Jets for a number of years after that, so... You know, great class guy, and, uh, and we all miss him. I remember uh, the first time I come into the booth and I noticed there was obviously something wrong with Dave, and I wouldn't ask him about it because I didn't want to put him on the spot. But clearly I saw it and the tremors and, and everything about it. And then uh, when I got the word uh, that he was in the hospital, you know, I, I, I started to, co- to go see him, and I was told don't. Uh, and I kind of took somebody's word, and, and I didn't do it, and I regret it to this day. But look, uh, we all have crossed our paths. Uh, people have crossed our paths that we remember. And uh, in your business, I saw something the other day that bothered me, and I want to see what you think about it. Greg Popovich, the great basketball coach from the Spurs, uh, was sitting in front. Uh, he's coaching USA Basketball. And he was sitting in front of a media horde. And he didn't like a question that came to him. And he jumped all over this reporter who asked him what I thought was a very valid question. That happens to you. How do you deal with it? Well, if, if you don't like a question, I, listen, I, I understand these guys are in the crucible and it's, it's hard to be judged every day. And you're, you know, you're, you're, you're talking to reporters all the time. It's tough. It's tough being the center of attention. I, I handle it. I actually like, I don't mind critical questions because um, I find that when there is a critical question asked, you, the answer you give and the way you handle it can not defuse it, but can address it in a way where you change the narrative based on if you have a belief in something, um, you can, you know, you can make people think, oh, I never thought of it that way. Maybe that's something to, to think about. So, but, but I don't, I just don't jump on people. But I, I see where, listen, I, I dealt with Bill Parcells for a number of years. That guy jumped on me right from the start. So I'm, I'm used to it. And you gotta, you gotta expect it. That's part of the repartee in, in reporting and, and, and being in the sports business. But I'll tell you what, those kind of guys, um, th- there's a bond that kind of builds up when you're in the trenches together and when you're going back and forth, you get past it, and then you know you've got kind of a memory built in there, and you kind of look back on it over time. Um, 
and you know, I'll laugh right now. I'll call Parcells now and say, "Hey, man, how come you call us commies back then? You know, you call us <laughs> communist subversives. What the hell?" So you know, we'll laugh about it. So it's it's all part of the game. I guess I'm very close to Bill when I was doing the Jets and spent a lot of time with him, uh, taping his TV show and. So spent a lot of time with him and knew all the troubles he was going through early on in his coaching career with the Giants. Uh, then I went out, I moved to Florida, and he was down there, and I went to play golf with him one day. It's just he and I. And I said, uh, you were testing the media all the time, weren't you? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I use Gary Myers as an example. You would, <laughs> you would jump on Gary Myers frequently. He goes, you know what? Gary Myers didn't, didn't shake. He came back with another question, and I respected Gary Myers. And I said, wow, <laughs> that impressed yeah, that's me. That's the thing. If you stood your ground, um, he respected you. He would challenge you, but if you stood up to him or stood your ground, he saw it and he knew. Um, I had written, a, a, or I was about to write, a very critical story about Lawrence Taylor when he was um, having problems with cocaine um, back in the 80s and I had to write this story and Parcells knew I was writing it um, and I wrote it and Bill tried to warn, you know, get me off the story tried to have me not write it and I wrote it and then the next day he, he called me a bad name in a press conference yelled and, and that was it and I, you know, sat there and take, but, but the point is you gotta show up and you gotta let him get it out and he, that's that's how he that's how he operates. But he sees it, and over time, you gain the respect if you're willing to kind of stand up to it, um, and and he'll he'll respect it. Uh, Bob Glauber of New York Newsday. Let me give I spent a little time with the Jets. Uh, uh, they uh, they what they have done in the off season with Joe Douglas is they've addressed surrounding Zach Wilson with weapons and speed. And you wrote an article recently about Elijah Moore. Um, he has obviously opened a lot of eyes early on uh, without even taking a snap in a regular season game. Yeah, Elijah, uh, Elijah Moore, the slot receiver out of Ole Miss, um, he really had a good offseason. Um, Second-round pick, 34th overall, was very impressive in terms of his route running ability, great hands, and, he, and, and tough. Now, they don't have a lot of contact in the offseason, but, you know, you can tell this guy is a tough player. So um, they like him, you know, and, and he was a major reason why they could squeeze Jamison Crowder into taking a pay cut down about half a salary, about five, six million dollars this year. Um, Crowder is a, is a terrific player who really is a, a good security blanket for a quarterback as a slot receiver. But Moore is going to is going to take that spot, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, they, they have, Joe Douglas has done a good job of, of addressing the talent. He got Mims last year at the second round and, you know, a series of shrewd moves. And Denzel Mims has that, that hit factor as the, the big target, good, physical, fast, strong, powerful. Um, he's got to stay away from injuries. Uh, but, you know, they, they have the makings of a good football team. Maybe not this year, maybe not even next year, but I think they're building toward um, – a good, reliable, winning-type roster. Wide receiver core, they, they get Corey Davis. Uh, you mentioned Mims. You mentioned Crowder, Keenan Cole. The tight end position, though, is a big question mark. Chris Herndon 
uh, has been in and out. Uh, they pick up Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin's there as well. But that tight end position becomes a necessity uh, for this team. Yeah, it's a, that's the big question on offense. There, there's no doubt. Um, Herndon has been a major disappointment. Really showed some flashes um, early in his career. And it looked like this guy was developing into a really good tight end. And then just kind of fell off the face of the earth. He's had some drops. He's had some injuries. He's just not reliable. And it was, you know, he was only so-so in off-season workouts. So uh, I, don't, I don't know what his future holds. Ryan Griffin had a good year a couple years ago. They re-signed him but did nothing last year. Was really not called on much. So I think they need to call his number a little bit more. This guy is, was, you know, he was a, he was a good, solid target um and i think any young quarterback and zach wilson once he signs his contract and gets gets into camp any good young quarterback can use a reliable tight end you know we talk about that security blanket of the slot receiver talked about that tight end kyle rudolph with the giants for daniel jones well griffin can be that guy uh for zach wilson or some tight end and you know they would like it to be herndon but i just don't know that they see enough and trust him enough um, to be that consistent go-to guy for, for, for a young Zach Wilson. Talking, uh, taking a bite of the Big Apple with uh, Bob Glauber of New York Newsday. The strength of this team looks like their defensive front. The question is, can they get to the quarterback? And look, C.J. Mosley has basically missed two years, but if they get anything out of this guy, that's a plus. Yes. C.J. Mosley, was, you know, he was a big-money target in free agency of the former general manager, Mike McCagnan. Uh, he's a holdover. They owe him a lot of money, so that it's worth it to keep him. But at his best, C.J. Mosley is a very active inside linebacker, was terrific at Baltimore. Jets had to overpay for him because he was the subject of a lot of you know competition on the open market. So they overpay, and it, he got hurt after one game last, you know, his first year. He sat out last year with the COVID, and now he's back. So they, they like what they have there. Um, they did sign Carl Lawson. To me, that's a that's a huge signing um, in terms of just getting the outside pass rush going. Um, and you know, they 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 hope they can develop this you know fairly young defensive line um, now with a veteran talent in Lawson to to get to the quarterback a little bit more consistently um, than than they than they have in, in past years. You know, the Jets have not had a big time pass rusher. Howard, since Sean Ellis, right, <laughs> going back decades, yep. for God's sake. So they really need to get that thing squared away, and 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 they hope Lawson can be that guy. And Quinton Williams, good from the inside, good young player, um, and and they're hoping that he can kind of take that next step in next three steps now in his in his third year. Uh, Las Vegas has the Jets over and under at six and a half. If they win six games, yeah, it would be a four game improvement. But would it be enough? To encourage their fan base, you know, it's six wins is is definitely you know it's three times as many as last year, but it's also in this you know increased schedule it's six and eleven, so I think that eleven looks pretty uh, pretty bad. You know, if they can get to seven, eight, maybe nine, certainly you know reason for optimism. I don't think that happens because when you've got a first year quarterback. It does take time. Look, if a, if a first-year quarterback is really good, if a quarterback is going to be good, he can show it now in his first, second year in the NFL. It's just the way quarterback development has has become. But 
you know, it's going to take some time for this kid, and it's going to take some time for Robert Sala, who I, I think is going to be a really good head coach. Um, but, it, you know, there's a learning curve for those two key positions. Yep. And I, you know, six and a half sounds like the right number for, for the over-under. Um, let me ask you about uh, the, the sense of humor the NFL has scheduling Carolina to play the Jets in week one with a guy named Sam Donald, the quarterback. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised this game's that, right? not. I'm surprised this game's not in prime time. Yeah, yeah. I, listen, the, the schedule makers know storylines. They know how to do this. This this league, it's you know, it's not their first rodeo. They just know how to promote matchups and they know how to promote um, games. Now, look, this is going to be a game. Say, if, say if they had this game in you know week 17, 18, it's like they could be you know three and a four win team. But smart to put it at the at the opener, where the new quarterback goes against the old quarterback, and Sam Donald with certainly something to prove, and Zach Wilson, you know, try to show that he is the guy for the Jets. I think it's a great dramatic storyline for for an opening week, you know, between two teams that are going to be evolving this year and not ready for prime time. So it's uh, it's great that they made it for week one. Tampa Bay, the defending Super Bowl champions, uh, I know they can, but do you expect them to repeat? I think it'll be awfully tough for them to repeat, but, man, how many times have we gone against Tom Brady before and, <laughs> right? <laughs> and wound up, like, you know, lauding him in early February? So I, I, I think they have a decent chance. Look, that guy is perpetually motivated. Um, he could theoretically play till he's 50. I don't think he will. I think he kind of sees the end here a little bit more but you know the fact that he is still so good at, at, at you know 43 years old is incredible and you know the Buccaneers re-signed everybody all their key starters are back yep. so you very rarely see that for a defending champion um, I think they got a decent shot um, I still like Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers comes back I think they can, they can make a run um, I think you know it, it's going to be anybody's um, probably four or five teams. I'm intrigued about the Rams. Seahawks, I think, will be better, but you know they've got to get now. Get they've got to get significantly better. They're just you know they can't be this wild card you know one and done type team. Um, and they're going to have a lot of competition from the Rams. I think the Cardinals. I'm, I'm intrigued to see if they can kind of just take that next step. I'd like to see them uh, play. I, you know, I, I, I love Kyler. He's He's a really good, exciting young talent. And I always root for short guys. I'm short, so, man, let the short guy win. <laughs> uh, I'm still intrigued with Baltimore. We'll see how that works out. Buffalo has got to be considered in the conversation. Uh, and, you're right, and you're right about the Rams with Matthew Stafford. I think it's going to be a fun year, and I can't wait. for Training camp opens this week in some circles, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Bob, as always, appreciate the insight and the information. You stay safe. Howard, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You stay safe as well. Thanks. He's Bob Glauber of New York Newsday. Knows his stuff, man. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.